We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, Chiefs Kingdom? We are back again for another live show. <clears throat> Excuse me. I am BJ Kissel, joined by special guest, the Director of Operations and Player Personnel for the East-West Shrine Board, East-West Shrine Board, Eric Galco, and Maddie Lane from the KC Laboratory, who they those guys will be going live tonight at 8 o'clock. But uh, we wanted to do a special another live show and talk a little mock draft roundup and with the news that we've got and we'll react to again right here. We're going to look at some receivers that are available in the first round of this draft and talk through how they may fit the Kansas City Chiefs with this news of Tyreek Hill going to the Miami Dolphins. Maddie, I want to give you the opportunity because I know you're probably itching uh, to get at least a few takes out there before we go to Eric. But, uh, Maddie, when you saw the trade that's going to send Tyree Kill to the Miami Dolphins for what ended up being five draft picks, three this year, number 29, number 50, and a fourth rounder, plus a fourth and a sixth rounder next year, uh, and plus the contract that Tyree got, what was your initial reaction when you saw the news? I think right off the bat, like most Chiefs fans, I was I was a little upset. Like it does not seem like it's enough compensation to justify how good Tyree Kill is. But then you step back once you get past that initial kind of anger. It's like, well, that's what the NFL's telling you elite wide receivers are for. So you can't be mad that they are getting essentially the same, actually a little bit more than what the Packers got for Adams. And then you look at the big picture. I think this kind of made the Chiefs offseason plan a little bit more clear. So I was very confused up to this point and kind of their way they were approaching the offseason. Not that this is a straight up black and white answer, but I think it made kind of their mindset and where they are right now a little bit more clear, having to go through this move, trying to set themselves up to get younger and work towards the future. So it kind of ties a bow on some of the more confusing parts of the offseason. It's just it's going to be really hard to replace Tyree Kill for an offense that's centered a lot around what he was able to do on the football field. Eric, I want to get your thoughts on this too, because we haven't even talked about this. What were, what were your thoughts when you saw this? Well, I mean, first off for the Dolphins, I knew they wanted to add a speed guy. And if you look at what Mike McDaniel wanted to bring there, he wants to have his Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, right? I think Jalen Waddle was always going to be that Debo Samuel. And now he's got his Brandon Ayuk, which happens to be like three times as good as Brandon Ayuk and Tyree Kill. Um, and the rest of that receiver core kind of falls into place. And the benefit for having a number one guy like Tyreek, some of the chief experience is that your receiving core can go from mediocre to special when you add a special guy like him. Right now, if Preston Williams is your fourth best receiver, you have a pretty good receiving offense. If he's your second or third, it's kind of a crappy unit. So um, I think for the Dolphins, it was a bold move. There are a lot of draft picks. They have a lot of needs on defense, and they can't address those now. So I think it's they went all offense. Armstead, Tyreek, fascinating. I think for the Chiefs, I think they'll have to add a receiver. The question is, is this 
it's at least part of this motivated by, hey, we should just reload for the future because this year the AFC West is going to be difficult? Or are they really confident that Josh Gordon, Juju Smith-Schuster, whoever else is there <laughs> can step up and then add a rookie and now they're guys. So you guys tell me on the Chiefs front. I think for the Dolphins front, I, I get it. It's still bold and we'll see if it works this year. And having rookie quarterback, rookie contract quarterback like Tua makes a difference. But for the Chiefs, I can't tell if it's overconfidence or extending their timeline into year two of a 10-year deal with Pat Mahomes. Yeah, I think we'll probably find out over the next couple of weeks to yeah. see if they use any of those assets to get proven veterans. Uh, I know we're going to spend the rest of this show talking about guys who are in the draft. I'm still going to have the take that I'd be really surprised from a veteran standpoint if the wide receiver room that we see right now is what it looks like. You can add a couple of rookies or however they do on the draft. I'd still be really surprised, not necessarily having to use 29 or 30 or 50 or any of those top assets but if it's signing another veteran even to a one-year deal i'd be really surprised and add somebody else in there that we all have heard of at some level whether it's a big name guy or whether it's a guy um you know towards the tail end of his career whoever those guys are out there there's gonna be plenty of time to talk about that i just i would still be kind of surprised but i can guarantee you i don't think they're betting everything on some guy in the draft being the answer to whatever this is because you don't know who you're going to end up with but we do know that now at least if they wanted to they have the firepower to basically get any receiver in this draft if they wanted to now that they have the picks and kind of the resources to do that so as we get into this draft maddie talking about the wide receiver group as a whole before we talk specific players what can you say about this particular class of wide receivers and again you got to be very particular we are not replacing tyree kill or having that conversation but we are talking about from a roster composition and financial standpoint of adding somebody that can make plays in this offense that isn't going to cost $30 million a year. So Maddie, to this class of wide receivers, what stands out about it to you? Uh, every year in the NFL draft now, it's a good group of receivers. Like I can't remember the last time we have had a bad group of receivers coming into the draft over, you know, however many years now. Uh, what stands out to me though, from this particular one, there's some size. I think it was last year and even a little bit the year before, a lot of the top guys were a little bit smaller. There was some slot guys with speed, but this year there's, there's a handful of just bigger your traditional X wide receivers that are getting a lot of buzz and not that there's not guys that have speed or that you would pencil in as a slot receiver, or a great route runner. Just there's a few more guys that seem to be top end picks that have that traditional six foot two, six foot three, 200 plus pound range. And uh, that's good. Now, Will the Chiefs go that route? They The Chiefs have not under Andy Reid. That's You have to go back almost to kind of like Terrell Owens to find the last time Andy had that big-bodied receiver that was kind of like a huge part of his offense unless you count that first year with Dwayne Bowe as the Chiefs. So I don't know if that's the direction the Chiefs want to go, but those guys are going to be out there if they decide to go that way. Eric, what's your impression of this class? Obviously, with what you do with the East-West Shrine, but we saw a lot of the guys um, that could be available that um, could help the Chiefs. Not necessarily, again, not a not a Tyree Kill replacement, but as a whole, making sure that that group is better overall. Maybe not at the top end, but you have quality guys that Patrick Mahomes can get the ball to. What stands out about this class to you? Yeah, first off, shout out Dwayne Bow. Nice Dwayne Bow reference. I haven't thought of him in a long time either. But uh, but no, I think I think the the fascinating part on the Chiefs specifically is. And again, you guys know this better than I would. I'm not sure how many guys in the Chiefs receiver room right now are even guaranteed a roster spot this year, right? Mequel Harmon, Juju Smith-Schuster, maybe Josh Gordon's guaranteed something. So I think the question is, do they try to replace Tyree Kill with one guy or try to replace him in the aggregate, almost like an Oakland A's yeah. baseball type idea? Do we try to add a, a speedster like Calvin Austin? And then also a, 
a bigger guy like a Chris Olave or I guess a Garrett Wilson who can play a play Z receiver. So I think it's fascinating because this class has, as you mentioned, is is strong like the last three or four years. And that's a big reason why guys like DJ Chark didn't get big extensions because the last couple of receiver classes have been great. So I think this receiver class is strong. I think beneficially benefiting the Chiefs, there won't be a real run on receivers. I think one will go in the top 14, 15 picks, but then you have really wide receivers two through seven who are all very good, all who are worth first or early second round picks and all available for the Chiefs to either move up a little bit to go get or strike at 29 or 30 to get a guy that can maybe start at Z for you right away. Cool. And the, the good news for at least content standpoint, what we're talking about is there's no receiver that isn't in play for the Chiefs in this draft. So let's talk about some of these guys and we're going to roll some highlights. You guys can react to them and talk through a little bit about where you expect these guys to get drafted. And we're going to start with a player that has his name's been thrown out there a lot connected to the Chiefs. Who knows if he's going to be available? You guys would have a better idea. But Alabama wide receiver Jamison Williams, uh, what stands out to you about him besides the fact six one? Um, 179, according to NFL.com, but St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, kid, what stands out about Jameson Williams? For me, Jameson Williams is the is the premier kind of speed guy in this class. I know we're going to get to some other guys that are also really good in that regard, but you just watch the way he moves. It's a fluid, just different kind of speed. You watch him go up against that Georgia defense, and these guys are full of freak athletes. They win the national title. They look like aliens. But Jamison Williams just outruns them from almost every single angle in that SEC championship game, even before he gets hurt in the national title game. Like he just moves differently. And as a fan of the Chiefs watching Tyree kill these last, you know, however many years now, you kind of appreciate that watching Tyree and not saying Jamison Williams is Tyree kill back to BJ's point. We're not going, I'm not saying that, but you just watch how he moves and you can tell it's just kind of at a different speed than a lot of other guys. And then you watch how he runs his routes, how he attacks leverage. He's a guy that I think can grow, continue to grow into that speed and how he can use that athleticism on the football field once he gets to the NFL and gets some more coaching. He's essentially been a one-year starter in his college career now as he transferred over to Alabama. Extremely smooth. Um, that's the biggest thing that comes to James Williams right away is he's just – it looks effortless. It looks instinctive almost the way he runs routes, right? He's not – forcing a dig route, forcing a post route. He's able to kind of smoothly get vertical and he wins a lot on deep posts, deep digs, deep comebacks so naturally as a receiver. I think they, I would tell, you know, chief fans, if you want James Williams, don't worry about the injury. He's going to be fine by the time training camp comes around. That's a big reason why I believe he's unquestioned wide receiver one for almost every team I've talked to and most teams around the league. He's not only the top receiver in this draft class, but I think he's going to be a guy that's going to go one of the top overall skill players and among quarterbacks, running back, et cetera, in this whole draft class, special player, dynamic player, wide receiver one. And I think for Chiefs fans, if you want a guy like Jamison, you have to get up to the top 16, 17 picks to get him because he's not going to fall down at 29. He will for sure be taking the top half of round one. It could be as high as eight. But I think if he's there past 10, that's where the Chiefs fans might get excited and say, you know what, let's trade 29 and one of our picks in the 50s and go up and get a guy like Jameson Williams who could be a legitimate number one receiver in the NFL. Yeah, last season, 79 receptions, 1,572 yards, and tying for third uh, in the nation with 15 receiving touchdowns in his 15 starts. So definitely a guy that whose name is going to be thrown around quite a bit, making plays. Uh, another guy that whose name is being thrown around, you mentioned earlier, is Ohio State's Chris Olave. Uh, Matty, where do you expect him to go, and what, what separates him as far as how he could fit into this offense and a reason to be excited if his name is the one that's called on draft night? So 
Olave's been kind of one of my favorite wide receivers to watch over the past three seasons there at Ohio State. I, I love the footwork. I love his ability as a route runner for, you know, guys run routes in different manners in college football, the NFL. But Chris Olave just like speaks to me and what I see in a receiver as being the prototypical kind of route runner coming out of college. And it's just, it's the footwork. It's his ability to drop his hips, get in and out of his breaks. And then you go and look at some of the tracking data that gets released and you find out that he's up here running you know, as fast as anybody else around the league. So he can be this true deep threat. You do have to search a little bit for it to find it in some of his film, but there's plenty of flashes of him working deep. So like as far as fitting with the Chiefs, it makes a lot of sense. You get this guy that can play a little bit on the outside, can be this vertical threat. He has the good footwork to come back and play a little, you know, work underneath and an intermediate. So I love his game. And I do think he might be one of those guys that you're looking at towards the end of round one, just after the first receiver or two off the board, it becomes kind of a pick your flavor, whatever kind of guy you want. And there's a lot of teams there at the end of round one that should be looking for him as this like perfect complimentary piece as a wide receiver, the perfect wide receiver two kind of coming into the NFL. Yeah, super refined. And that's the thing I'm in mind. Jameson Williams, it was smooth. For, I think, Olave, it's refined. I think he's one of the better route runners, uh, not only in this draft class, but the last couple of years. Has a lot of, maybe a smaller version of Keenan Allen, but a lot of Keenan Allen to him as a player. He can work well after the catch. He's very explosive, but really the refined route running ability. You're right, it wasn't really on display at Ohio State because their offense gets to be a little bit basic sometimes with a lot of route concepts. But I think overall, he's a, what, a 4-3-2 guy at the 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine. I think he'll test well across the board at his pro day, but Regardless, Olave is a Z, can play some slot speed guy, but also a really established route runner. The question I have with, with Olave and with a lot of receivers that are top guys in this class and with the last year, Devontae Smith, is we're getting a lot of these guys who are sub-190. And that's a big question teams will kind of wrestle with, why I'm not sure Olave is a guaranteed first-round pick. He's helped because, I don't know, the Chiefs, but the Cowboys and the Packers also need receivers. But I think a lot of teams are still a little wary of guys who are sub-190. Can they work off press? Can they ever play X receiver? That kind of stuff is an issue. But as far as speed, big playability, Olave is one of the better guys in this draft class at that. His comp pro comparison on NFL.com, according to Lance Zerline, is Terry McLaurin. How do you guys Good. feel about that comparison? Yeah, I, I, I can see a little bit of it. I think McLaurin, McLaurin, to me, played a little bit better as a deep threat, just even when you went back and found some of his stuff. Like, I get where he's going for a name that kind of popped into my head, and this was last year when I thought Olave might come out, and he was kind of one of my guys in the draft. I had just written down, written down Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco at one point in time because of how good his foot footwork is. Like that's really what caught my eye from him. So like that was a name that I wrote down last year, and that's kind of where my mind leads. But I, I see the Terry McLaurin part of it. I just think McLaurin played a little bit better on the vertical plane uh, back at Ohio State, and even now with the, in the NFL. Yeah, more physical. Okay, let's move on to the next guy, and that's easy because that's his teammate <clears throat> in Garrett Wilson. What's up? What separates these two guys? What would how would he fit differently, uh, Maddie, than a guy like Chris Olave or Jameson Williams? <clears throat> I'm, I'm gonna be honest, Garrett Wilson's one of the guys that I don't get as much as a lot of other people, and I know a lot of people around the league really do like Garrett Wilson. I, mean, I think like Dane Brugler has him as a wide receiver, one like a lot of guys really like his game. I struggle with Garrett Wilson, so I'd love to hear what, what Eric sees in him when he watches him because he's a guy that I have a hard time seeing his transition to the NFL and getting super excited about that projection. Yeah, I, I think I completely agree, actually. I think teams are not as high as maybe guys like my boy Brugler likes him. But I think the, the question for Wilson is he's so explosive after the catch. I think he's a really nuanced after-catch receiver, right? Catching the ball cleanly, getting upfield, making guys miss after the catch. I think he's a lot of untapped potential. I think he's a bigger 
domino because because Olave is such a refined route runner, he was running even in a basic offense and more complex routes. And that left Garrett Wilson to be kind of the hitch, go, vertical guy, right? Just like the basic kind of routes like that. I think teams really could do a lot more, but I think the the natural explosiveness for Wilson is what's really there. And I wouldn't say teams are enthralled with Wilson as a wide receiver, one in the NFL. I think he and Olave are going to be best suited to be a really, really, really good complementary piece. And the NFL is what teams are kind of expecting with those guys, which is a big reason why, you know, I'm not positive Olave and Wilson will be first round picks, even with these teams needing receivers. But I think for Wilson, we've seen with teams over and over again, if they're going to overdraft something, they're going to draft speed and explosiveness. That's what Wilson can really be. So he's not on the Debo Samuel, Jalen Waddle perspective, but I think he could be a legitimate Z with explosiveness and get kind of separation downfield. But I think you're right. It's a little bit of untapped potential, a little bit of like, we'll wait and see outside that Ohio state offense, but should still be in the mix for one of these top receivers. And again, for a Chiefs unit right now, that outside of Meek Cole is really lacking speed. I think Wilson would be a much needed upgrade if he's not the best candidate for it. All right, yeah, you guys talked I, about. Go ahead, Maddie. Sorry. I, I was just gonna say, I thought it was huge for him that he came out and ran in the four threes at the combine because that was a question that I think a lot of people had about his game. Is he didn't yep. really get a show now after the catch he did, but in his routes he didn't really work vertically that often. It was a lot more he showed just insane body control sometimes going up to get the ball. In and out of his breaks, like I feel like he's kind of leggy, so he'll have to drop his hips real low, take these long steps, but then he explodes out of it so well. I think for the Chiefs right now, he would be he'd be a fun fit because he does something that not necessarily Juju Smith Schuster doesn't do, McCole Hardman doesn't do. Like he's a different type of receiver. So it's logical that it makes sense. It's just, yeah, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around how clear that projection is. And when you're the Chiefs right now, you might need a guy that can come in and play on day one. And Wilson might not be that guy for me. Completely agree. I think he he compliments Hardman and Juju's well, but I'm not sure long term you want that to be your threesome anyway. So just take the best guy, and that might be Garrett Wilson right now or for the future. Cool. Again, we appreciate everybody out there for watching. Obviously, doing a mock draft roundup, but also reacting to the news of Tyreek Hill being traded to the Miami Dolphins and figuring out how could the Chiefs possibly, if they don't do anything between now and then, which would honestly surprise me a little bit. But even when they do something over the next few weeks to get another veteran in that room. The draft is obviously something from a roster composition, the way that the finances work in the NFL. You need playmakers, you need guys starting, making impacts on rookie deals. And so we are breaking we are breaking down some of those picks, talking about some of those lighter guys, Maddie, that you've mentioned that don't hit that 200-pound uh, mark. The next guy absolutely hits that mark, a bigger-bodied guy. That is Arkansas's Traylon Burks, um, a player that we've talked a little bit about. I know you guys have mentioned um, throughout your draft content. What do you like about how Traylon Burks could fit uh, with the other guys that the Chiefs have as of today in that room. It, it's interesting because I'm not the biggest Burks fan, but I do like him. I see how he's going to win in the NFL. Like that size, speed, just overall athleticism, you can't ignore it. Like it's working out in the NFL for all these different guys these most recent years. But without Tyree Kill, I actually almost think his fits a little bit better with the Chiefs because he wins differently. He's a different body type and he just plays differently. But a lot of what he did at Arkansas would be in that same general area or the same way you're trying to use Tyree Kill, getting him in motion a lot pre-snap, not necessarily lining him up you know, against press coverage frequently and saying, hey, go beat these guys one-on-one -on -one all the time. They kind of schemed him open, schemed him working across the middle of the field. So I do think not having Hill almost opens up his usage a little bit, and then he still has the ability to go play as your ex-receiver. He's, you know, did it against Alabama, the best competition you're going to see, beats press coverage, adjusts the ball downfield, doesn't necessarily separate a ton, but can win once you get to the catch points. Like, I see how he fits. 
And without Tyreek Hill, I almost think it's a little bit cleaner of a projection for him in the Chiefs uniform. You just have to figure out exactly how you want to use him. Yeah, he's he's really a straight line only kind of guy and not really shifty. You mentioned the route runner, but the physicality is absolutely there and getting off press coverage is, is like you mentioned, that's one of the most important skill sets you can have. And that's why Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson probably can't get off press for two or three years late until they figure that out. Jameson Williams kind of can, but still really raw there. But I think the benefit for Burks is looking at a guy like Pat, who is a improvising, make plays out of the out of the pocket. You want either vertical speed guys or you want contested catch guys, right? Hey, someone to take advantage of the improvisation or bail me out if I have a mistake, right? Kind of that Mike Evans, Johnny Manziel dynamic. And that's what I think Burks could be. He's a really, really good contested catch guy. If it's one-on-one coverage, even if it's on, in his own coverage, if he's matched up with one guy, I trust him 70-30 on a lot of those balls versus 50-50. And I think he has the straight line speed to work after the catch and still make those big plays, still run go routes if need be. But I think you're right. I think oddly enough, I don't know if Tyreek makes sense I'm sorry, Burks makes sense with Tyreek, but I think Burks can help Cole just be more of a speed-only guy um, and have Burks and Kelsey kind of be that short mid-area guy that Mahomes can trust and then have guys like Cole get vertical. And again, if we're talking about replacing Tyreek Hill in the aggregate, I think you absolutely want a guy who could be a contested catch guy like Traylon Burks. Where do you guys expect a guy like Traylon Burks to go? Because you've heard a lot of names. There's a lot. I mean, at this point in the draft, there's 80 players that are projected first round picks, which we know doesn't work out that way. Who are some of the guys? And Eric, you'd mentioned it earlier with some of the the lighter guys um, that are projected first round picks that you think may fall compared to where some people um, think they may end up. Does that mean Burks could end up going a little bit higher than some do just because of that size? Or where do you guys project? What do you see him going? He hasn't had the best draft process, Traylon Burks. And that's why I think the question is right now is, is teams get really, whether right or wrong, and I don't want to comment on, on Burks's mental makeup or character, but teams get really skittish with receivers because when receivers go bad, they go like out of the league in three years sometimes, right? Versus an offensive lineman who's always said, that's why we're going to see this year, you know, spoiler alert, I think at least half, if not three-fourths of the top 20 picks will be O-line, D-line this year in the draft because teams are going to play it safe in what's considered a weaker draft class. And then now you're picking it back around one. You just traded Tyree Kill, and that pick, 29, is the Tyree Kill pick. You don't want to take a receiver bust like that. So I think for Traylon Burks, he's he fits the NFL really well right now. His upside could be Mike Williams. But I think having a bad draft process and not being at an all-star game because he's a junior, I, I think a lot of teams will be skittish on him uh, in terms of round one this year. Yeah, he's probably got the the widest kind of array of draft projections right now, even after not a great, you know, process leading up through his pro day and the combine. I still see a lot of people, and it's maybe not necessarily the NFL, but a lot of people still think he's this, you know, mid-first round kind of guy. And I would be a little surprised if he goes that early, but not completely for it because the size, speed, you know, a physicality is hard to come by. But if you also see him last... <laughs> and then if you see him go in the second round, I don't think you're shocked. I don't know. It's just he's a weird guy to place right now because teams are going to be running, trying to get their their DK Metcalf. And he's not as fast. No, give me wrong. I'm not saying he's DK Metcalf, but they're trying. They're looking at that. They're looking at Debo Samuel, who's just this another well built, very explosive kind of athlete. I don't think Burks is as good as either one of those guys. But when you start trying to find them, that's how guys get overdrafted. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I know one thing for for the people out there listening, and we appreciate everybody for tuning in here to this live edition of our mock draft roundup uh, with Eric Galco, the director of operations and player personnel for the East West Shrine game. And also uh, Maddie Lane from the KC Laboratory. Appreciate your support. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We've got all kinds of content coming to you guys, especially a lot of draft stuff uh, coming over the next few weeks. But um, our guy Lance Zerline, the other thing he said regarding Traylon Burks is his player comparison, A.J. Brown. And I've never seen this before, and I looked at a lot of these draft profile websites over the years. He's got in parentheses with more wiggle. <laughs> so he's A.J. Brown with a little more wiggle. Eric, what's your reaction when you see that kind of comparison? I think that's probably the best case scenario. Again, A.J. Brown, not, not the most – wiggle guy so i guess that does make some sense i'm not sure trail on a lot more he certainly has to test that way athletically this draft process but i think aj brown is kind of what you're hoping for in terms of his upside right a bigger body guy who can win contested catches but also get vertical but but again i think as you mentioned earlier the, the wide range of outcomes for Traylon burks in terms of what he is in the nfl it could be a starting x receiver it could be a guy you're trading for a fifth sixth round pick three years from now it just is it's very risky with kind of bigger body not especially in today's nfl you want guys who have top speed and can move around and and play a couple of positions. And Traylon Burks is probably an X only outside guy without wiggle. That worries me. But again, he could be a dominating player and be worth $20 million a year, like Mike Williams for the Chargers. Yeah. So. All right, let's go into the next guy because I have a feeling this is Maddie's favorite guy if I've been paying any attention or at least one of them. Mine too. Mine too. Is, He's up there. He's up there. Okay. And that's George Pickens. I'll just I'll just give you guys the floor. And uh, Eric, we'll start with you. We've been starting with Maddie. Let's He's go with guy. Eric. Yeah. All right. Oh, got a my guy stamp from Eric Galco on George guy. Pickens. What do you love about George Pickens? Yeah, you know, I, I was I was busting a lot of people as I kind of played catch up from doing my own scouting in the year to like seeing what people in the media had. And I was like, why are all you guys putting George Pickens so low? And I think coming into the year before he got injured, we had a first round grade on before he ever played a game this season. Like we've been bullish on George Pickens for a while. You could see it as a freshman. You're like, who the hell is that guy? Uh, and I think he showed in the last four four games he played in the national championship run for Georgia, last four or five games, whatever it was. And you could see right away this guy is a – starting caliber receiver in the NFL just off of the limited film you've seen so far. I think the big playability vertically is shades of AJ Green um, at Georgia, which, you know, the Georgia comparison is there for sure. But I think if he plays an entire season, he might be a top 10 pick. 
I think there's, you know, the the drops are there, concentration drops. He's still not very developed as a route runner quite yet either. But I think in terms of mental receivers we talked about so far, if you told me Jamison Williams won, George Pickens too, I wouldn't balk at that at all. I think it depends on which team and what you're looking for. But if you're looking for an outside receiver with big playability with a lot of upside, I think Pickens is a really intriguing guy. Now, again, he's a bigger outside receiver. So, again, we have a little bit of a wide yeah. range of outcomes. But, but still, X receiver with that kind of ability, I think it's pretty rare to find. Uh, yeah, and all that same stuff. Like the thing with Pickens for me is you go back, and especially as a freshman when he was completely healthy, you watch him and he's, yeah, he's a bigger X receiver. I'm not going to say he's got the the best like lateral agility out of all these guys coming out, but you watch him just row run a hitch or an out route. And for a taller, lanky receiver, he can drop his hips and he gets through that break relatively well when you're comparing it to somebody like a Traylon Burks. It just looks different. He looks like a receiver that the NFL drafts in the top 10. Like they don't always like they like speed, but when you start pairing these guys that have good size and length and can be dominant, you know, especially as a freshman, that gets that top 10 consideration. So I agree if he's healthy, that name, his name should be a lot higher up there, but the ability on the vertical plane, his ball tracking skills might be some of the best in this entire class. The amount of diving catches he's made over his shoulder or 40 yards down the field. I mean, you don't see guys that do that frequently. He can go up and high point the ball. And like I said, I think he's a good enough route runner that you feel good about him developing that skill more and more as you get into the NFL and then look at that offense that Georgia runs. It's a very, not even necessarily a pro style, but it's a run first offense. The quarterback play has been incredibly shaky. So he's not getting the ball on time, well placed frequently. There's plenty of times where he's not getting passes because they're not into the most open windows when you're working with a, a Stetson Bennett and a Jake Fromm and guys like that. Like I think there's a lot of untapped potential, but then he's also flashed kind of that upside that you watch him and you're like, no, that's a number one wide receiver if it all works out. We've talked about these other guys being complimentary pieces or they might fit here or there. Like Pickens, when it works out, like he is the guy you want on your team out of this entire draft class. It's just, will he get there being that bigger bodied guy? And here's my question. I'm going to put both of you on the spot. Eric, I'll start with you. Um, Matt, you'll get time to figure out your answer. But if you're the Chiefs, would you feel good about packaging 30 and 29, your two first-round picks, to move up for any of these guys, if you have to give up both of those two picks, would you be willing to do it for anybody in this class? Now, I know there's more information uh, as far as what veterans do they pick up, what does the rest of this offseason look like, but just off the top of your head, initial reaction for the talent you're getting, are you willing to package those two picks to move up knowing the strength of the rest of the draft, corner, edge, some areas where the Chiefs still need some depth? Yeah, I'd say no. I think Williams is special. I think if if Jameson Williams uh, was combined with George Pickens as a prospect, I'd say yes. But I think for Jameson, again, he's still a smaller guy. I think he's a Z only. I think for the Chiefs, if you're going to replace Tyree Kill, you need an elite playmaker or a guy who can be your guy at X or Z. It just is too valuable in this offense. You can find speed guys like Calvin Austin, for example, round two, or Tyquan Thornton, round three or four. But I think finding a guy who can be your number one player on the outside is what you have to find. I'm not sure Jameson... Not confident enough in Jamison to be that. Plus, again, Jamison's going to go in the top 11, 12 picks. So if you want Jameson okay. Williams, it might take 29, 30, and a second round pick to go do that. Yeah, I, I'm there too. I think the Chiefs, you know, this isn't a show about the entire offseason, but there's enough holes that I don't think I could justify in my mind giving up both first round picks when they do still need a corner. I mean, we know they desperately need some defensive ends too. I couldn't give up both those guys to chase down any of those receivers. And the receiver position, as great as all these guys are, I mean, you know, Jamison Williams, George Pickens, I like them. 
it's a good receiver class like it always is. You can find guys in round two, round three that will be good. I mean, my other favorite receiver besides George Pickens is Sky Moore. That's the complete opposite player type of George Pickens. Like, I love Sky Moore. I'm not saying he's a first-round pick, but you're sitting there at that 50th pick, and you can get him and not have to trade up in the first round. That's the kind of move that I would like to do in this particular draft. So I would not move up for a receiver because I think there's just going to be a lot of guys like we've talked about here that you could get in the top 100 that would still help move the needle in conjunction with other guys. And one player that we haven't yet talked about, and I know Eric wants to talk about this guy because it's also the same guy that Daniel Jeremiah just put out that he mocked to the Chiefs that it's interesting because it seems like, and I'm from the outside looking in, more of a pick around number 50 and he's slowly moving his way up into the first round and who knows where he ends up, but that's North Dakota State's Christian Watson. What is it that you guys both like about him and where could the Chiefs potentially get him and how would he fit as far as playing XZ, all those different spots? Uh, Eric, I'll start with you. Yeah, I tell us about Christian Watson all the time, but we, you know, at the East West Shrine Bowl, we had interesting Christian Watson early on, and we had a, a top top two round grant of him coming into the season. The Trey Lance year with 2019 was incredible. He's a special player. He didn't need this draft process to show me and probably a lot of scouts in the league that he could be a first round type of player. No doubt in my mind, he was always one of the top two or three senior receivers, not one of the top, you know, not number 19 or 20, like some people may have thought. Um, but I think for, for Watson, fitting as this guy who can play X and Z receiver, I think is so important. I joke all the time, BJ, I can show you three plays of Christian Watson. You'll be like, oh, I see it. Like it's so obvious yeah. on film how explosive he is that I think that's what makes him so unique. And again, for a Chiefs team that needs to find a number one guy and or replace Tyree Kill in the aggregate, I think he is a high character. NFL bloodlines, his dad, his, his brother, I think, played in the NFL, so we can handle that right away. Plus athlete, a lot of room to grow and get better. I think he's a really intriguing player. The other question, BJ, you mentioned the trade up is, does it make sense to trade back? I know trade back's always an easy thing to say, but Hey, if there's yeah. so many of these guys that are so impressive, you can get those guys at 35, 40, pick another pick, and that gives you your two receivers for one pick. So just an idea there. Christian Watson, maybe a reach at 31. FCS guys in the first round are pretty rare, but I think a 34, 35 with an extra third round pick would be pretty cool. Yeah, it, I, I love Christian Watson. I love the upside that you're getting. For me, for a guy that big, he moves so loosely and so fluidly. His flexibility, like you're watching just some of his film or even seeing you know his all-star game stuff, watching how well he can bend at the ankles and the hips for a guy his size is, is super impressive. And yeah. so like that gives you the ability to think, okay, you can play this guy Z and be a little bit more of a deep that you can put him in the slot sometimes and let him run, you know, this complete route tree. He's not just shoved out into the boundary running on the vertical plane. My only small concern, like I would love the concept of trading back for this reason or signing somebody else in free agency. I don't know how quickly he's going to be ready to jump in, especially in a system like Kansas City where we constantly see receivers need a year or two. How quickly is he going to be able to get out on the field and make a big impact with that jump up in competition, a little bit more of an expanded role? Not that that's a reason not to draft him, but if you're sitting there at pick 29 and you might have to take him there if some other teams like him with that athletic profile, I don't know how quickly you're going to start getting that in return on investment in this particular scheme. That would be my one hesitation. So if you could move back a couple spots and grab him and pick up an extra pick, I think that would be a perfect way to go. Cool. And I, I want to spend about the next two minutes. I'll give you each a chance just real quick. I know it's not necessarily mock draft related, but you're very tied in. You, you know who's available out there. The DK Metcalf rumors were out there. Tyler Lockett, all this stuff that's going on with Seattle. They trade Russell Wilson. Everybody becomes available. Who out there is available, not mock draft related, but if Chiefs were going to give up either 29 or 30 or some package of assets, I know that's a separate conversation, but who out there would you like to see them make a move for to get a guy that could step in and make that veteran impact? Um, 
via trade. Like, Maddie, who would you, who's the one guy that you would be like, okay, I'm okay. Not necessarily to replace Tyreek, because I don't think that guy exists. As much as I love Tyler Lockett, he's not going to necessarily step in and replace what what Tyreek Hill has done and his explosive is for this offense. Who's the guy for you, Maddie? I, I don't know if I have one to trade. Like, you know, you mentioned DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And I think those are, uh, TK, DK Metcalf specifically makes a lot of sense if you're just trying to get that vertical downfield element. Like, I do get it. But, you know, you talked about them. He's not a he's not a trade guy, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling as a free agency signing makes a ton of sense. He, this is a proven deep threat. He's not a complete player, but we're talking about, you know, getting a group of receivers together that can replace what Tyreek Hill does. His ability to win vertically makes sense as part of that plan to replace Tyreek Hill as a group. I don't know if I have another guy that jumps out at me as a trade target, though. I think we're getting a little later in the process. Guys that get traded now almost seem like they kind of sneak up on those of us that don't get to talk to everybody in the league, or else we would have, we would have heard about them by now. So outside DK Metcalf, I don't know of any that are getting chopped currently. Yeah, I... I you know, Hollywood Brown comes to mind. He needs a new contract as well, though. So you want to trade for a guy and needs a new contract too. He's probably worth the, the Ravens a first round pick. I, I think I think Mogwez Valkes Stanley is going to be the answer for them, right? He's another outside guy. He could be their speed guy, and that gives them a lot of flexibility to draft whoever they want, right? Instead of saying, hey, we need an X or we need a Z, we need a slot. You take Valdez Kelly, you're good. Uh Odell Beckham Jr. would be great, but I think Valdez Kelly makes a lot more sense. Odell Beckham would be a radical change for the receiver unit, it is, but pretty cool to see him there. I feel bad for whoever, whatever receiver they sign. I just hope that even if they sign him today, they need to wait a few days before they announce that. Because if you trade Tyreek and then announce yeah. <laughs> Marcus Valdez, Scantlin, uh, pig, that's not fair to that player either. I don't think he needs that yeah. pressure uh, on him. But uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the sleepers, guys, later, uh, second, third round that might be available. One of the players that I want to bring up here real quick, we'll try these highlights again, um, is Cincinnati's Alec Pierce, guy that we talked about uh, a little bit. Maddie, what do you like about Alec Pierce's game? fantastic athlete and i think he's still growing as a receiver you know he kept, played volleyball in high school he goes to cincinnati and i believe they tried him as like a running back and a linebacker and all over the place and then they're like okay receivers where we're gonna go you're this big athletic guy that can jump out of the gym you're not gonna run vertically we're gonna throw you jump balls and you're gonna make it work and he did so like if that's what you're going for if you want that vertical threat that can win with physicality and above the rim if you don't want to spend a first round pick on a Pickens or a Drake London or somebody, Alec Pierce would make a good guy to get kind of on day two at some point in time because he shares a similar skill set and could only be, you know, advancing his game at the next level. The only question I have with Pierce is, is what is he as a rookie and how much are you banking on him developing? I think Pierce is a really intriguing player, certainly a freak athlete, like six, three, you know, basketball player. I haven't seen his dunking highlights, but I'm sure they exist out there somewhere, but I think all these clips you're showing here are, are jump balls, vertical routes, right? They're all the same clip. That's all he did at Cincinnati. It wasn't like you're missing anything here. He's not running digs, post, you know, deep comebacks, et cetera. So I think you're saying, all right, is he going to be just a situational guy? Is that what Valdez, Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster can do for you anyways this year? And then what is Pierce for the future? So I think he's a really intriguing guy. I would just have some reservations in the top two or three rounds. Hey, you're, you're the Chiefs. You have Pat Mahomes. You want to win a Super Bowl this year. I'm not sure if a guy like Alec Pierce helps you at all this year as a rookie. All right, you got a couple picks for the Chiefs at like 103 um, or in that third round. You got picks right around there. So who's the guy in the third round, Eric, that you think would be a great fit, great value, and could fit what the Chiefs do offensively? Yeah, we've said his name a million times now, Marquez Valdez-Cantley, but I think Tyquan Thornton of Baylor is the ultimate like guy to replace Valdez-Cantley in a year. I think if, if they sign Valdez for a year, you have Tyquan Thornton, long, athletic, Four two eight speed as an outside receiver. I think his big playability is absolutely there too. And similar to I think Valdez coming out of college, 
the route tree was was there and he showed a little bit of range, but didn't have a chance to kind of run that at a physical level at the NFL at the NFL. And the second half of Tyquan Thornton's uh, final season at Baylor, you saw the red zone ability, the post, the dig route stuff was kind of being added to his repertoire a little bit too. But had a great Trimble week. I know I'm biased to Trimble guy, but <laughs> if he's there at pick 100, I think he is a guy that can develop into your outside Z receiver. And again, four two eight speed. We know Andy Reid. They love Brett Veach. They want speed in this team. Not just at the slot receiver position, but also at the outside spot. I think Tyquan Thornton. I know Tyquan Thornton is the fastest outside receiver in this draft class. Yeah, and you get there, and you kind of at that point, you're not necessarily only looking for guys that are you know more specific in their role and like what they can do. But a lot of the guys that you're getting in round two and three are going to come into the NFL as either developmental players or in the first year they're going to be kind of a one trick guy. But I think Thornton has that ability to start to become more a little bit faster than some of these other guys because he has that that game-breaking speed from the get-go. All you have to do is teach him how to make sure he's using that on every single play, even when he's not working vertically, and you get a more complete player early on. Another guy that intrigues me, who's entirely different, I mean, we're going back to essentially a slot-only player, but I think Eric mentioned him earlier, is Calvin Austin. Um, a lot of people are starting to draw these comparisons to Tyree Kill. Now, he's 20 pounds lighter. He's not Tyree Kill, but he's that kind of freakishly fast. He's explosive. You watch him in these all-star games, and you see him matched up against these good corners. He has the ability to run these good routes, run nice routes, be quick in and out of his breaks. He's not a complete guy early on, but if you don't plan on keeping McCole Hardman long-term, this is the last year of his contract, you can get Austin in there, and he can do some of the same stuff that Hardman's been doing, that Hill's been doing. He can fulfill that kind of role as he grows into the player that he's going to be at the NFL level. Now, you might have to pick him a little bit earlier than round three. I don't know how much in the NFL is loving you know, that speed, that combination of size and everything. They drafted um, somebody last year a similar size in the second round the Rams did. I'm drawing the blank on the name now. Two out there we go. Two, two yeah. out. Well, yeah, similar size, not as good of a player, not near as good of a player. So right. you might be having to draft Austin even earlier. I don't know, but just the skill set that you get out of him or even a less athletic guy like Wandale Robinson, they can fill some of those roles that Hardman and Hill are missing underneath. Just that's a lot of pressure to put on a slot only guy, you know, if you're drafting him in round three. And that's, that's the question too, is again, I think you replace Tyreek in the aggregate. You need someone who's going to take the top off the of defense to, to prevent teams from just playing cover four the whole time. Um, and that's, you know, Mark has Valdez Scanley, and that's Tyquan Thornton. You take a guy who can run the drag routes and the, the hitches and underneath stuff to kind of get Kelsey vertical, and that could be Calvin Austin. So I think there's a lot of different receivers in this draft class that can kind of replace Tyreek Hill in the aggregate. And again, they need probably three more receivers this offseason for the future. So it could be two draft picks and a free agent guy for sure. But I think looking for for two guys to replace Tyreek Hill instead of one would be a, a wise decision for Chiefs fan because Tyreek Hill is not in this draft. So. Uh, we're wrapping up this show with the Casey Laboratories, Maddie Lane, and the Director of Player Personnel and Director of Operations for the East West Shrine Bowl, Eric Galco. Uh, again, everybody out there listening, go ahead, subscribe to our channel if you're watching on YouTube. We have got hundreds of draft videos all of the receivers that you guys that we've been talking about that you might want to watch go to our youtube channel you can scroll through our nfl draft hub and we've got highlights of all of these guys and we'll have analysis coming all of the time over the next six weeks to break down what the Chiefs should do in this situation now that Tyreek Hill is no longer on the roster as he becomes the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history uh, with the Miami Dolphins giving up five picks and $120 million reported over the next four years. It ends up turning to like a three-year $75 million deal uh, depending upon which way you want to report it. But either way, um, the one thing I want to say, and I'll give, give you guys a chance to give your final thoughts. My final thoughts on this, because I continue to see it uh, in the chat room, is that Brett Veach didn't single-handedly make the decision 
that Tyreek Hill is no longer on the Chiefs roster. Uh, that's giving a lot of power for something like that. And he does have, obviously, over, oversees the roster, all of those things. But you can't tell me Clark Hunt and that uh, Andy Reid aren't part of that decision-making process. So if you're unhappy that the Chiefs made that decision, that is an organizational decision. They don't put all of that on one person. And you're talking about the aggregate, how valuable is Tyreek as he gets older and to how defenses are playing them, how he fits into the offense, in addition to the roster composition overall. Uh, And all of those factors have to come in. But it's a really tough thing to give all of the blame for a decision like this on one person, knowing that this ha- these kind of decisions get checked off by everyone in the organization. You just hope that the communication process that was all in the up and up and that everybody, even though it didn't work out, sometimes it doesn't work out. But as long as the player feels like they were taken care of and treated correctly, that all of his buddies in that locker room, that that, is, that trust is still there, is the by far the most important part of all of this, even though it's disappointing that Tyreek will no longer be uh, a member of the Chiefs. But uh, Eric, we'll start with you. Just what are your final thoughts on the Chiefs specifically in the situation they find themselves in now? A lot more draft picks but a bigger hole in a situation where we already had some holes that we were talking about you always want to go into the draft feeling like you don't have to pick any one position you just want to take the best player doesn't feel like the Chiefs are in that position right now but they still got the six weeks before the draft yeah I mean for one it's will this Chiefs offense change right Tyree Kill created a new identity for and any reason not run the same offense for the last 30 years of being a coach right maybe they change their identity a little bit and change things up the second question I have is who does Pat Mahomes like, right? He liked Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That's why they took him. So I'm fascinated to kind of find out, like, who Pat is watching right now, who the Chiefs said, here's our board, who do you like as well, too? Guessing what kind of receiver Pat Mahomes likes. I don't really know him well enough to, to know that, but I'm fascinated to be like, hey, Pat, 20th pick is yours. Who do you want? I think that could be a real thing that happened with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I think if you're Andy Reid, you just traded away or, you know, let Tyree Kill leave via trade. And I think it's only right to ask Pat, who do you like? You're the guy that's here for the next 10 years. So I think – Hearing who Pat likes in in the draft process would be a, a fascinating thing looking forward. No, I think I think that's a great point. Is you know talking to not only Andy but also seeing where where Pat's at with it. What does who does he like? Like you said, to throw to. And if you go back and kind of look at his like passing charts from college in the NFL, he doesn't throw a ton of passes vertically outside the numbers. That's not where Mahomes has ever lived as a passer. It's been when he goes vertical, it's over the middle of the field. That's where the vast majority of his stuff goes. Like you might have to keep that in mind when you start looking for ways to replace Tyree Kill through a group of people. And I think that's also the key. It's not one guy that's going to be able to even come close to replacing Tyree Kill from this draft class. That's going to be a free agent next year and trade. It's going to be the collection of people they bring in over time. So even if there is a, a wide receiver signing tonight, that's not their answer to replace Tyree Kill. There's still going to be a draft with multiple guys and another signing. So you got to be a little patient here to see what the Chiefs' general plan is to try to match you know, 90% of what Tyree Kill brings you and then what can they change to get that last 10% of their offensive scheme leading up to that point. Matt, who's, who's, your, who's, your, who, who's your prediction, Matt? 30th pick in the draft, receiver for the Chiefs. Who is it right At now? 30, Three seconds. Um, Chris Olave. Wow. Damn, I agree. I think it's Chris Olave, third <laughs> pick in the draft. So I think he makes too much sense. I think that's what that's what Mahomes is going to want. I think it's going to be a good fit. So, damn, I wish we didn't agree. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Can't argue about that one now. <laughs> Terrible podcasting when you guys agree. Yeah. You disagree about stuff. Actually, <laughs> actually, George Pick, no. I think Chris Olave is the pick. But I think I think 30 is the pick for, uh, for the Chiefs at receiver. I think they'll – whoever Pat wants, he'll get. We'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. 
All right. Well, everybody, we appreciate you all for tuning in again. Hit that subscribe button. We've got more content coming later tonight. Maddie, Kent Swanson, Craig Stout, and the guys from the KC Laboratory will be going live tonight on all these same channels at 8 o'clock. Uh, they get a chance to get their head around. Maybe there's a move made before that. And you could say that, you know, don't compare, but that's not going to stop a graphic from being put out of like, here's Tyreek's stats. Here's Marquez Valdez-Scantlin's tweet. Like, it stats. It's absolutely going to happen. Not fair to anybody involved, but I appreciate everybody for listening uh, and your support of what we're doing here at KC Sports Network. Eric Galco of the East West Shrine Bowl. Thanks, man, for joining us, sharing your thoughts. And Maddie, it's always a pleasure. And Tucker, just killing it behind the scenes producing. We appreciate all of you, and we will see you guys later tonight. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.